the conversation is complicated because you know you need in order for you to be a leader you need a partner who's willing to follow if you don't have a partner who's willing to follow many men just give up on leadership because it's not it's not worth it to them so i see that a lot as well and what i work with on uh, with with my men clients on this is uh, if that's the situation that they're in where they just feel like they've tried to lead and she's not open to it or it doesn't work or it ends up getting into fights what i try to work with them on is being a leader in their own life so lead yourself like go to the gym or read that book or start a hobby that you like or do something for yourself welcome to the show i'm joe horton on the Guild of Dads show, we unwrap weekly the incredible stories, skills, and expertise of the world's most captivating dads and experts. If you're a first-time listener, we have insightful conversations with people who are truly masters at work and that will prompt you to think about your own life. Fascinating individuals, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs, and adventurers, professors, counselors, and today, we discuss how you can build a great marriage. What's interesting about marriage is the getting married part is actually the easy part. The real rubber hits the road, so to speak, when it comes to staying married. And I'll be honest with you, you aren't taught this stuff at school. I think for most couples, you have to work it out as you go along. And that doesn't always turn out well as a great strategy. Every conversation we have on this podcast translates the experience and expertise of our guests into practical knowledge you can use to better understand yourself as a dad and in the process improve your physical health, mental health, relationships, career and the way in which you show up to the world as a role model for the next generation. And what's more, there's often some resources from guests which you can take away and use today. Today we go into the inner workings of marriage and how we as individuals and couples can navigate what my guest today calls both a personal and spiritual journey having had the insight of helping hundreds of couples through this tricky stage of life. My guest today is couples and family therapist, David Feldman. As a counselor and someone that helps men and couples daily, he has seen a thing or two over his years in this arena. There's a deep dive today and we talk about not just the expectations of married couples, but how it's also necessary to grow up individually and embrace the us rather than me as we go further into married life. Dovid has noticed that there are a number of things that handicap us in achieving a great marriage, including lack of tools, our own upbringing, and unrealistic expectations. The fine line between being a union of two whilst maintaining our own needs and boundaries, the issue of leadership within marriage and how this can be misinterpreted, forgiveness for the past and how marriages are frequently infiltrated by extended friends and family. Yep, we know that happens. David shares some powerful insights around the stages marriage goes through and their unique challenges, but also some powerful strategies that you can use to fundamentally change your marriage starting today. I've got a real blast from today's episode, and I'm sure you will too. If you have ever wondered how some of my amazing guests get to where they are in life, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, those making a massive impact on the world, I can tell you that pretty much all of them follow a very deliberate plan or system of some kind. This is exactly what I do too, and I'm revealing how you can implement a plan and system in your own life completely free in my ebook, The VAM Blueprint. 
over at guildofdads.com forward slash VAM, V-A-M. Incidentally, many of the people I interview on this show will be leveraging the power of similar systems to radically level up their lives. So you will be in amazing company. And now to my conversation with David Fellman. David, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you coming on to speak with me today because we've kind of linked up over on Twitter where I read a lot of your content and a lot of it is extremely valuable. And what I really like the most about it is it's very straight talking. It doesn't mess around and it's very to the point when it comes to cutting through the fluff that is relationship advice. And (laughs) so I do appreciate that kind of that voice of kind of clarity uh, that comes across in a lot of a lot of what you put out there your sure. handle over on there is kind of building great marriages and mm. again I like that very much because of the emphasis on building rather than just being a great marriage what are your th- kind of thoughts around that David um yeah yeah for sure um I think that uh you know the idea of marriage for many people is a destination instead of a journey and there's a big problem with that because um, marriages have so many different phases and stages and they go through so many different changes that um, oftentimes people, you know, what, what worked for them great in the beginning of their marriage does not necessarily work great three years in. And then you throw kids into the mix and then the kids become teenagers and then you throw middle age into the mix and then you throw even retirement and old age into the mix. And marriage is a journey of a lifetime and uh, it's something that needs to be worked on and developed at every every moment in time. And, uh, and in, on a deeper level, we can get into this as well. Marriage is a personal journey and it's a spiritual journey. So there's a lot going on there. It, it's not someplace that you get to. It's some. It's the beginning of your your life, basically. Mm. And in terms of like the experience and the information that a typical young couple, for example, have when they get married, you know, they may have this idea of life where, okay, I'm going to settle down. I'm going to meet a guy or meet a girl, and then we're going to get married and everything is going to be kind of hunky-dory and it's going to be great and then all of a sudden that's the kind of beginning of their journey but there's not always a great deal of information into in terms of kind of how to make this thing work that you're going to be involved with does that set people off to a bit of a handicap from the start do you think of course of course i mean um the court what's happened is that the emphasis on all of the and so much of what's out there today is on the courting and the dating. I mean, if you type in, you know, uh, pickup or dating advice, or you go to the grocery store, you know, how to land that guy. I mean, it's unending the amount of information there is available for youngsters and even, even people starting over again on how to date and how to find a partner. And that's good. That's wonderful because that's also an important part. Um, but there doesn't seem to be an emphasis as much, you know, even on Twitter, um, on how to actually <laughs> keep and maintain this precious, precious um, relationship that you have. 
People think that they've found the one and they've got a job and it's just going to go from there happily, happily ever after, you know, that now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, all the Hollywood movies, every Hollywood movie practically is about, you know, the young couple meeting up, you know, and that, and that journey. And that is something to be celebrated and certainly have a laugh at. There's so many great romantic comedies out there, but there's a whole sea of, of, of work and discipline and uh, skills that's required to make it work once the the knot is tied. Mm. Mm. And what I notice in as being part of quite a few different dads groups is that when the kind of wheels fall off the relationship, it's almost too late to pull the parachute before you kind of hit the ground. And and it seems to me that a lot of the realizations that particularly men have they don't come until the point at which the relationship is kind of teetering on the brink and they're kind of like they are either separate on the verge of separating or have separated and they're like, oh, I realise that I didn't, you know, pay enough attention or I didn't do this or I didn't do that. And the kind of the analogy that often springs to my mind is like a is like a plant or a flower or something that you're kind of you're growing and that if you were to say you grow a tomato plant or as you guys call it a tomato plant uh, you would plant the seed you would water it you would make sure it had sunshine you would you would do all of these things in order to make that thing grow uh, and you know that if you don't do that then then, then it's going to die on the vine almost but it's almost like with relationships people expect to kind of plant that seed walk away, not give it any water or sunshine, and then wonder why it all kind of turns to shit a, f- a few years down the line. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, 100%. Uh, it astounds me. You know, look, uh, my first client was myself. Okay, so uh, there's, there is a lot of things I, that I didn't do, but there's not that many mistakes I didn't make. <laughs> um, you know, but it does, it, it is astounding to me that, you know, people will drag their feet and, um, and feel like, you know, therapy or counseling or coaching is like the last possible step. And it's such a shame, you know, it's almost like somebody, you know, obviously if a person has gained an extra 20 pounds, that's the best time to see a, a coach, not wait till they've gained 200 extra pounds. Right. And so it's the same thing with therapy. I mean, there's so many interventions that can be done, little things like changing the way that you communicate in simple ways, not complicated manners, setting people's proper expectations, normalizing um, behaviors or normalizing experiences that every man and you as a as a as a, a leader of a men's movement or group or, you know, you know, focusing on dads you probably see many of the dads are coming in with the same issues over and over and over. Mm. And uh, I, one of the, the easiest things that I say to most men when I'm speaking to them, is say, oh, you know, um, why are you seeing me? Oh, well, because I feel like I'm always being blamed, you know, all the time. So I say, oh, okay, that means that you're married then, right? <laughs> 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 and they say, yeah, how do you know? I mean, if there's things that we all experience. And if, Many men or men and women are, if these are normalized and shown to say, okay, this is part of the normal dynamic that a healthy couple has, 
so many disappointments and arguments and fights and resentments that build up over the years can be avoided for sure. Mm. And do you think that is because that we just aren't armed with the kind of the kind of tools and knowledge and equipment when we first go into marriage or do you what do you think the reason for that is? Um, I think I think there's several reasons. Um, I, I'll list off three right off the bat. Uh, the first one is I think that there's a dearth of role models. Um, many Americans and probably, and I've seen videos about Great Britain and I, and I know that there's a marriage quote unquote epidemic going on there as well. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, we're not armed with, we're not given the proper role models. So maybe we didn't see our parents get along properly, or maybe we didn't see it on, the TV or the, or in movies, we don't see how parents sh- tr- should be treating each other. Everybody knows that men are always made fun of in, in TV and media. And that's fine. You can get a laugh. I get a laugh. It's no big deal. You know, I'm not one of these guys that says, Oh my gosh, how come you're making fun of guys, whatever. But unfortunately what we see, what, what the kids see is this is, you know, they don't understand what a respectful dialogue between a husband and wife looks like. Mm. That's number one. Um, so, so the lack of role models. Another reason is because um, we just don't have a very powerful education. People's expectations of what marriage is supposed to be like, totally off, you know. And um, and the third one is that some, there's some basic tools that people, you know, don't realize they have within their capacity. And this one, I would even speak to women. You know, many women. Um, in my experience, are not taught, you know, how there's a misunderstanding of where their power lies. Like, I have spoken to many, many women who don't realize that they can get a lot more with honey, they can attract a lot more bees with honey than they are going to with vinegar. And, you know, they, they, they're utilizing the same negative tools over and over and over again. And they finally shake their head and they say, this man will never listen or this will never work out. And sometimes it's just a little change in an attitude followed by an action and their whole world opens up to them. So, you know, whether it's poor role models or expectations that are completely false, you know, that men think that, that let's just say men think that their sex lives is going to be the same when they were 18 and courting versus 35 with three kids. It's not, it's going to be, in most cases, it's going to be different, you know, or, uh, or, or like I said, we're just unfamiliar with the male-female dynamics. Hmm. It's interesting you say that because I think that what I see a lot of is is where guys or girls have given up something in order to kind of kickstart the relationship in the early days. And as they become ever more invested into the relationship, they they feel as if they're giving away a part of themselves in order to make that kind of investment into the marriage until such point as they actually realize that they're kind of loot they've lost themselves they've lost their autonomy within that union and and i think this is often what i see kind of happening but also the, the dynamic of and i explored this with john gray a couple of weeks ago where where uh, guys have been brought up in this uh, this kind of nice guy era where I'm going to do everything for my wife in the in the kind of covert contract expectation that, that that I will get everything I want in return, and then 
uh, ladies are being told that actually you need to, you know, you need to tell your husband what he must do and you, you, you need to mold him into the man you want him to be. And, and, and so all of a sudden you've got this kind of like, uh, the natural biology of men and women is becoming kind of cross. The wires are becoming crossed and almost short circuiting each other out, which, which ends up killing attraction and killing intimacy and killing all this stuff off, which is kind of part and parcel of that natural, I think David Dada calls it the, you know, the dance of the masculine and feminine. It's almost yeah. been killed off at root. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, speaking of which, what you were saying, you know, um, in terms of the autonomy that each one has, I mean, that in my, the way I perceive that, you know, and the way I deal with that is that I would say, um, yeah, there's a piece of you, you're part of getting married. It means that you are losing your autonomy, that that's an expectation that if you're holding on to, oh, I still want to be myself. No. I mean, I just got off the phone with a client who was just like, well, if I can't say how I feel, then I'm not being myself. And I said, exactly. You're not being yourself. You can't. You cannot just let it rip and say whatever you want. You're married now. Right. There's another human being. There's another heart that you're responsible for, or at least you have responsibilities towards. So, no, you cannot just it was a woman. And I said, you know, you, you cannot just say whatever you want. You cannot just do whatever you want. You know, we are now joining. And if that union and the benefits of that union don't serve you, then it's not something that you want, something that you want. You don't want companionship. You don't want a father for your children. You don't want a supporter. You don't want somebody to go to bed with every night. You don't want somebody's shoulder to cry on, et cetera. If that's not what you're, with, that's not what you're looking for, then fine. Then, then there's no point in getting married. But if you are going to choose marriage, then yeah, there's going to be a big part of the, your previous self that's going to have to take a hit. You know, that's just one example, you know, um, of, of an expectation that people have. Maybe because of today, we all think, oh, you know, I can just, I can have it all. I can just be myself. Why doesn't she love me for who I am? Why can't I just be authentic? It doesn't work that way. You're in a marriage now and that it, it, it moves beyond me and you. And now it becomes us mm. and everything that I do and everything that she does has to serve the us. And if that means I have to bite my tongue for the us, that's what it means. If it means that I have to give up something that I had held was important before for the sake of the us, that's what it means. Mm. And, you know, I think many people are willing to do that. They just maybe never heard that that's something that they had to do. Mm. You know, I mean, how do you feel about what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. How do you balance that? That what I'm thinking, what's kind of jumping out at me is how you balance that, that being kind of a, like a part of we rather than me, but also kind of getting your needs met because I think this is one of the things that people struggle with. A lot of guys I hear struggle with. Well, oh, I'm never, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm never allowed to do that and stuff. And they're not asking for like outrageous things like going to vegas partying for a week what they're just asking for what they're just saying is actually uh i want to go fishing for for the for the day or i want to uh i want to go on a uh, guys weekend where we're going to play golf or something like or something along those lines you know yeah and um and it's it's interesting i see a lot of guys having to get you know they put it as I've got to go and get a pass from my wife. I'll see whether I can get a pass for that weekend. 
rather than kind of phrasing it as uh, an actual fact, if you were to give them enough notice and the calendar's clear and it doesn't conflict with anything else, then you're just saying, you're, you're just actually, you're in reality, saying kind of, uh, I'm just doing you the common courtesy of letting you know that I'm going to be away for a day. You know what I mean? And it's balancing these. I think guys feel that they could, they've got to kind of surrender their needs in order yeah. to kind of get that union to work. And yeah. that's the trick. That's a big trick. And, um, and yeah, and it does end up being that way. I mean, one way to help mitigate that situation is to be authentic with your spouse. So, for instance, um, letting your spouse know that time away from time away for you and your activities is really important to you, and that it's not just important to you, but you, but it's, it's important enough that it needs to be prioritized. So, we would need to work out kind of an understanding that. Um, a couple times, and you can work it out with your spouse how many times that is, and it depends on your financial situation and your kid's situation, etc. Um, you want the right, so to speak, to have a day where you can, a day or a weekend, whatever it is that you think is important, to go fulfill your personal goals, and then, um, and you don't want it to be something where um, you're you're asking permission. You know, you want it to be something where um, it's understood that unless there is a conflict, like the kids have a play that weekend that they've been waiting for you to go to or whatever it is, unless there is a conflict, that the standard in the relationship should be okay. And then, of course, you'd offer that vice versa. So you would say, and you too, like if you want to go for a girls weekend or whatever it is that you feel comfortable with each other doing, you know, that that's important to you. And if that's set out early in the relationship and it's dealt with respectfully, I think people will find that they'll have a lot more success than popping up the last minute, being afraid to talk about it, you know, transferring all the authority to her. And so that you feel like you're just a puppet on string, yeah. <laughs> a yeah. marionette on strings. Like that's, a, that's the part of what you were talking about before in terms of the covert contracts, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're not being authentic. You're not being really not stating your needs. You're just trying to be a good boy so that you can get time off. That doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah. And what I've noticed as well is that, is that guys, sometimes they don't put in place this stuff like in the early days. It, it, it's something they realize a bit later on. And I often say to guys, look, one of the things you need to do is make sure you have time out by yourself, your wife has time out by yourself, and you you have time out together, So, which I translates as, date nights or date days or whatever you you know you work out what your roles and responsibilities are what your needs and your boundaries and having that discussion and I think what we've just uncovered here is a communication and b getting clear on what your needs are in the relationship or your roles responsibilities I think roles responsibilities and boundaries they all come from the same family of discussion that you've got to have to get clear on this stuff don't they yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a developmental process. So it's going to be different when you're 22 than when you're 30 and it's going to be different when you're 30 than it is when you're 45, Yeah, you know, things are going to shift and life is going to happen. And, you know, f- for men, it's like, um, we're at a constant, I would say that in, in marriage, we're always on the defensive, you know, we're, we're on the defensive because our status quo is, Basically, in many ways, it's a 
very free for all type situation. You're here, I'm here. If I have to go there, that's no problem. If you want to go there, many men are like that. And all of a sudden we brought this person into our lives who has a calendar that everything's on and is organizing this and has got all these appointments and expects us to be home at a certain time. And we're just like, what, what's going on? You're like, I don't have, I don't expect you to be home at a certain time. Like, why do you expect me to be home at a certain time? You know, or however the dynamic works. So for us to kind of learn to stand up for our own needs in a respectful way is a lifelong lesson. And it's going to move from thing to thing to thing. I have, I have, um, I have grand, I just have my, my second grandchild and, uh, you know, we're trying to plan a family vacation, this and that. And according to my wife, you know, everything has to revolve around where the grandchild is going to be this and that, you know? And I'm like, well, we have, I have five other kids and I can't, you know, I can't just drop everything because of this one grandchild as much as I want. So I'm still struggling and I'm 53 and I've known my wife since I was 17. And I'm still like trying to negotiate, you know, how to set boundaries and how to establish limits respectfully. And we're working through each of these stages and it's difficult, you know, mm. but it can be done. <laughs> mm. And how, how do you think that kind of being a kind of what I would call man of action because you touched upon something quite interesting there is I think, I think many men are kind of like, well, I'll just go for the easy life and uh, take the line of least resistance and just agree to everything and be yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, dear. No dear. Three bags full dear sort of thing. But <laughs> I, I, is, there's an element, I think of guys kind of making a bit of a rod for their own back when it comes to relationships by kind of taking that line of least resistance, because I think for a lot of ladies, it's kind of frustrating when guys are just like, actually, no, I don't want to make a decision. I don't want to be involved in the decision-making and planning. Whatever you do, I'm happy with. And in actual fact, they're just like, come on, guys, can you just grow a pair, get involved, <laughs> you know, have a family meeting, plan what is actually going to happen this week. Plan, you know, you just just get a bit, just be the leader here a little bit more. It's, yeah. it's, it seems to be, it seems to me that, because I because I have ladies list that listen to the podcast as well, and you know it, it seems as if a lot of ladies are actually craving their men to just step up and lead a little bit more, not you not know, not in a way that they're kind of like this this tyrannical force that is imposing their will on the family, but but just to, just to basically just do some planning and just actually organize something, just something. They're just begging for it to be organized. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's like a whole, that's a great topic of conversation. You know, leadership inside of a relationship is is a very um, touchy subject because I'll bet that some of these same women who are complaining, and I don't know who they are and that's fine, but it's very likely that the men in their lives tried to be leaders at some point and were shut down. And that happens quite frequently. So a man comes into the relationship and he's like, okay, well, let's do this or let's do that. Or I think we should do this and I should do that. And next thing you know, in many cases, he's shut down. And um, none of us, especially when we're young and we're inexperienced, we don't speak properly. We don't speak nicely. We don't speak respectfully. And at some point he gets the message that it's easier just to, you know, she, she's not, 
Frankenstein. She's not going to lead our family off a cliff. You know, she's going to choose between A and B and I don't really care either way. You know, um, just it's easier just to let her do it. And I'll just, I'll do my thing and then follow along. She just tells me where I'm supposed to be on what time, which, which airport gate I'm supposed to be at and I'll be there. You know, so the conversation is complicated because, you know, you need, in order for you to be a leader, you need a partner who's willing to follow. If you don't have a partner who's willing to follow, many men just give up on leadership because it's not, it's not worth it to them. Mm. So I see that a lot as well. And what I work with on, uh, with with my men clients on this is uh, if that's the situation that they're in, where they just feel like they've tried to lead and she's not open to it or it doesn't work or it ends up getting into fights, what I try to work with them on is being a leader in their own life. So lead yourself. Like go to the gym or read that book or start a hobby that you like or do something for yourself. Have a leadership role with your children have a leadership role with your church, et cetera, whatever it is that you need to be a leader. Don't shut down completely as a person because you're not being validated as a leader at home. Mm. You know, take control of the areas that you can take control in. And then we can slowly start introducing leadership techniques into the home. So for instance, you can say, these are the three things that I think we should do. This is what I actually want to do. You know, what do you want to do? Mm. Or how do you feel about that? Again, this is for a person who has a contentious relationship regarding his leadership in the home. If he's already the leader that he can just make the plans himself, then that's great. You know, that works. Yeah. But most of us are not really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I see a third category as well where guys have kind of dropped where where they've kind of dropped the baton of leadership and their wife has stepped in. And, and I, love, I love the way... Um, Athol K describes this as the captain and first officer, and and I and I did a post on this a little while back, whereby you know if you're if you were in if you're the captain if you were the captain of the ship of a ship right, and and the ca- the first officer steps in when the captain is unable to do so, and mm-hmm. if you if you were the captain of a ship, and you kept falling asleep at the wheel, and the ship kept veering towards icebergs. You know, if you use this in a, in a relationship analogy, uh, pretty soon your first officer is going to step in and say, "Get out of the way! I'm going to take control of this ship because you can't be trusted. You, you uh, useless piece of shit." You know, and and the problem is, I think for a lot of guys, is if they've dropped the ball, you know, it could be. I don't know. Something may have happened in their relationship. You know, they made a bad financial decision, or they had an affair with their secretary, or something has happened which is which is which has really taken the relationship off course. It becomes more and more difficult for the wife to then actually say, "Right, you've got your stuff together now. You know, you're leading in other areas. You've you've sorted yourself out. You're 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 no longer bad with finances. You're, you've no longer got drink problems or whatever it is." It becomes very difficult for for some wives to let go of that steering wheel and say, "Right, you can have it back," uh, and it be, creates a bit of friction. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm and I and I like that analogy very much of the captain, you know, kind of falling asleep at the wheel, hundred percent. And that's definitely something that needs to be, you know, for many men or for some men, that definitely needs to be addressed. You know, um, 
you know, again, I'm, you know, if, if the values of the, of the family are in the same course, I'm not a big, uh, I don't fight necessarily for my particular philosophy is more defensive. So if the other person is doing an okay job and they're okay with it, then, and I've lost like for whatever the reason is I'm okay. It's not something I'm going to fight over. I don't care who makes dinner plans. If you want me to make dinner plans, I'll be happy to make dinner plans, but I'm not going to fight you over it because I don't fight in my relationships. I, 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 I do whatever I need to do. And, and I encourage the men that I work with, that there's very rarely a need to actually fight with a spouse, certainly. So, you know, whatever's kind of working is working, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's building on it's building on what is working rather than trying to smash it all to pieces and start from scratch again. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, okay. we set our I have something called a must have marriage pyramid where basically we set up a, a pyramid structure of, you know, remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. in the fifth mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So like there's air and you no know, sustenance and eventually it gets up to, um, you know, a, a philosophy and, you know, things, spiritual enlightenment. And so I have the same thing what I have for marriage, the same hierarchy of needs. And I work with men on establishing their pyramids. And what I call each one of these things is your marriage must have Meaning if you don't have these things, you are considered not married for yourself. So for instance, fidelity is like, usually most people say fidelity is like the bottom, most important thing. I mean, for most people, of course, today there's all these different types of things, but let's just say for most people, fidelity would be the most important thing. If there's no fidelity in the relationship, you're not married. And the next thing would be parenting, right? If you have children, right? I can't, in my situation, you know, if, if I was married to somebody who consistently left the kids in the car when it's 100 degrees outside or were just irresponsible to leave the home or walked away from the bathtub, like that to me is the next most important reason why we're together is to raise children. If, you know, so I would end the relationship for that. You know, the next one is, you know, intimacy. The next one is kindness. The next one is respect, like kindness. Like I don't want to be in a home where there's a war zone. You know, it's like, that's not, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to fight all day. And the, the highest one is respect. And um, my basic attitude, you know, when I'm working with men is that, you know, let's define these things. What do they mean to you? And then if it's not on your pyramid, if something happened between you, that's not on your pyramid, you do not fight about it at all. So if it's about who's making dinner plans, does that fall on my pyramid? No, doesn't matter whose decision is the final say, whether we go to Jamaica or go to Bahamas or to England for vacation. If it's not in my pyramid, I'm not fighting about it. Because mm-hmm. for me, peace in the home is the most important factor towards marital ha- happiness. And uh, we need to rein in our propensity to fight and argue. That's what destroys the environment in the home. That's what ruins your children when they see their parents constantly bickering and fighting. Mm. And that's what leads to divorce. <laughs> so. And I like, I like the idea of that pyramid as well, because I think it, if it stops you from getting into what I call the trivia trap, and we can all get involved with trivia and drama and all this stuff that actually in the whole scheme of things isn't really that important. A hundred percent, hundred percent. It's huge. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge filter for all the junk. You can find yourself in the stupid fight about something. You're like, wait a second, <laughs> does this have anything to do with what my priorities are? 
No? Okay. Whatever you say is fine. Goodbye. <laughs> no, like, I am not going to fight you over this, you know, Yeah. or vice versa, you know? Yeah. I like that idea. I like that idea because I think one of the things as well that often comes up in, in, in families and relationships is conflict caused by factors exterior to the relationship, the primary relationship. So, and frequently it is, uh, extended family or in-laws or someone sticking their oar in when it's not needed and that often causes so much friction and and, and what once you place boundaries or ring fence you know what you know what you're going to allow into your kind of your kind of sphere if you like your family sphere and what you're not then you know one of the things we found quite early on was when we realized a lot of the stuff we were arguing about was actually not anything to do with us. It was generally someone outside of the relationship had caused a conflict and almost kind of thrown it into the relationship like a hand grenade and ran off. And yeah. when you realize that, you actually, okay, so we don't need to cut these people off, but in actual fact, we're going to limit how much they have an impact on our relationship. And if it means pulling back from that part of the family, the extended family unit, then that may be necessary for some people. It's wonderful. That's a, that's a great insight and a great kind of decision that you that you made because, yeah, extended family and these types of relationships really do um, in, in instigate a lot of discord between people. You know, there's so much is tied in with you know, well, why can't we invite my sister here or why can't my brother show up or why do we going to your house, your in laws and or my in, why are we going to the in laws? Why aren't we going to my parents? You know. There's so much of that in families and uh, it's such a beautiful thing that you and your wife decided that you're going to just be focused on each other and instead, and then kind of see everybody else as external to your existence instead of part of the intimate circle that you have. Mm, mm. It was kind of almost by accident because you just like, why are we, why, why are we arguing? We, we're not really arguing about anything to do, to do with us, but I think people can fall into that trap quite quite easy and I, and, I, and I sometimes sometimes when people explain to me about their their unique situation they're in I often kind of feel like oh, hang on a minute your you, you, your wife didn't get married to you to be married to your mum there's not three people in this relationship and vice versa often you know a husband doesn't get married to his wife to be married to the views beliefs etc 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 of his mother-in-law but often people are in these three people relationships. You go, hang on a minute. There's two of you. Let's remove that other person from it. And then you're going to get on a lot better. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And that's another one of these basic principles that I think people are unaware of when they, young people, when they first get married, you know, they, some people, um, I wasn't just involved in a situation where, you know, the wife was just felt that her husband was just going to join her. Meaning to her marriage meant that the her husband was just kind of kind of like move in uh, to her existing relationships with her current family. And this guy's just like, wait a second. I thought it was just, I thought it was me and you against the world. Like, what are we doing? Why am I always over at this people's house? Why do I care? Why are you always asking them what we should be doing and what they think? And it became like a real issue, you know, and uh, getting a, a young person's head on straight, you know, for myself as well, I was no different, but, these are kind. This is the kind of information that I think is important to, and I do tweet about this kind of stuff also. Um, 
you know, for young people that they should understand, you know, your, you know, marriage is a covenant between you and your spouse, you know, external family is crucial, but they're not part of that covenant, you know, and it's a really important uh, lesson for people to internalize if they want to eliminate that negativity in their lives. Guys, I'm just going to interject for a quick moment here as I've got something really special that I want to share with you. If you follow me, listen to my podcast or have read my book, The Dad Blueprint, you will know how much emphasis I put on having a way to systematically improve yourself. However, the number one thing that will supercharge your improvement right now more than anything else is having a band of brothers and tribe around you to support you on your journey. There's simply no other way like it to supercharge your own growth and development than being part of something bigger than you. Indeed, over millennia, this is how men have operated, in teams. This is why I have created an exclusive brotherhood called the Dad Circle, which is a new group of men and dads who are committed to improving themselves in every facet of life and helping other men do the same. And let me stress right now, this is hosted away from any social media platforms. So no ads, distractions and annoying, irrelevant notifications. Just high value. Members of the Dad Circle will benefit from being part of a community of men looking to thrive in their physical health, mental health, relationships and how they show up in the world, which means you are no longer alone. Weekly team Zoom calls give you accountability hardwired in from the day you join so you can impact yourself and those around you immediately. Other guys will be cheering you on each step of the way because they want to see you succeed. You will get support and have the opportunity to help others on the same path, which is hugely satisfying. Monthly topics, tools and resources will allow you to really learn more about yourself and your immense capabilities. We'll also have mental and physical challenges suitable for all levels, so no matter where you are, you can expand what you thought was possible for yourself. All of this at the same time as forming lifelong friendships and connections with men that want to see you conquer life like never before. You will also benefit from a weekly group coaching call with me and other men where you get to share your own experience and knowledge so you can grow in confidence and find your own voice. As a man and dad, I know how frustrating it is as you don't get a handbook for life, which means you ultimately end up giving it your best shot. But it's soul destroying when stuff doesn't work out and you're all alone to work it out. It really is gut wrenching and lonely. The result is faltering and failing relationships, an expanding waistline, mental health problems and feeling like you're a worthless piece of shit. I've been there so I know exactly how you feel. It's like being a passenger in your own life while life passes you by. Imagine what it'll feel like in one year, three years, five years, even 10 years from now. You do nothing and always wonder what could have been. This is why you need to act now. If this resonates with you and you want to break out, level up and live a life on your terms, then the dad circle is for you. Right now I'm offering the first 20 founding members lifetimes membership which means for one payment you'll be in at ground zero and get to shape how the community evolves going forward but you'll need to get in quick because after that it's going up to a monthly subscription fee uh, which is going to be around about probably what you spend on clothes tv subscriptions or meals out in a typical month making an investment in yourself to be a better man and dad will be the best investment you ever make so go ahead 
drop me an email to joe at guildofdads.com if you're interested in this and begin your transformation into the man and dad you always wanted to be. I'll see you on the inside. Yeah, and I think I think as well, I love you to touch upon this subject because what I see playing out of my head a lot as well is that is that often ladies will have a, quite a close relationship with mums and sisters and all that kind of stuff and they tell them everything. And husband probably doesn't have the same relationship with his dad and his brothers and that kind of stuff. And so he's kind of like, he's slightly more kind of isolated maybe in some respects because he's not talking to anyone about kind of what's going on in the relationship. And and all of a sudden he's kind of like, you, you know, you, you'll go to a family thing or whatever and stuff and uh, and and hu- husband thinks everything's kind of hunky-dory and then maybe his sister-in-law says, I can't believe you spoke to my, my sister like that if you ever speak to her again. So all of a sudden it's kind of like this weird dynamic where he's pretty kind of isolated and but but she's kind of talking telling her family everything about what's going on in the relationship do you know what i mean which is kind of which kind of is a little bit emasculating in some respects because you're like oh, hang on a minute i'm the man yeah. man of this house and i don't know about all this these conversations that are happening behind my back it's such a breach of trust it's it's outrageous i mean you know, for, for women or for, for men too, but like you said, it most likely happens a lot with women, you know, there needs to be a moving out of the home and then into your new home for both people. And that relationship is sacred between you and your wife. As a marriage therapist, I am all in for people getting support, but I am not into people getting support from their parents, from their sisters, from mutual friends, Okay, so mutual friends, that's a no-no, right? You can get coaches, counselors, church mentors. You can have a friend that your spouse doesn't really know. I mean, they may have met him at the wedding, but they're not mutual friends that they're going to be going out to dinner with. But if you're starting to rat on your spouse or complain about your spouse to people that you know in common and that 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 have a function inside of your life, that is a huge breach of trust. And it's it's not only is it humiliating, but it's devastating for the the victim who is the spouse who's being, you know, ostracized by this situation. And this is a this is basics in marriage. And I see this all the time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I see I see it all the time, unfortunately. People just they think, well, I've always told my mom this, or I've always talked to my dad, or me and my brother are best friends, or me and my sister share everything. It doesn't work that way anymore. If you want a happy marriage, if you don't want a happy marriage, you can go ahead and say whatever you want. You can go write it up on, on in the internet. Yeah. But your husband always has to feel safe with what goes on inside the four corners of your home. And, and for a woman, she also has to feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, she has to feel safe mm-hmm. in, in everything that she does inside the home. The house and again it's not to eliminate the idea of getting help or support or having somebody to vent to yeah and i think this kind of plays into the whole concept of i call i call these i call these individuals chad adults and the reason i use that term is that it's a combination of child plus adult so it's an adult that still wants all the kind of financial emotional uh kind of benefits 
that that come with being a child, even though they're living an adult life. And I see this amongst my age group, which is like, I'm 41, so I guess between 35 and 45. I see this a lot where where people are grown up, but you know they still, if they get into money, money if they're bad with their money, they still keep going back to mum and dad. Or if, you know, if things aren't going well, they keep going back to mum and dad and they're kind of, they're adults, but they're not, they've not ever made that kind of, that full jump from being a child to an adult, which is where the chadult term comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I see that a lot. And I think this, and I think this does have an impact on, again, I think it has an impact on relationships because, because you you're not fully autonomous in that in in that union totally and and i think it has that that's part of what the name building great marriages is about because people don't realize that it's um we cannot be passive in our relationships you know if we're passive we're just handing over the reins to circumstance or to our partners or to old paradigms that no longer fit our current status. Mm. You know, one of the greatest things that helps people grow up is having children, of course. You know, there's a situation where you literally are forced into becoming an, like an adult for real, you know. Mm. Uh, no one's going to change your kid's diaper at 4 o'clock in the morning except for you. No one's going to take your kids to the hospital except for you. No one's going to play baseball with your son except for you. You know, you cannot, if you want to be a my opinion, if you want to be a present father, you have to be a hands-on father and a responsible father. You know, and we need to shift that corner. That's that's part of what we were talking about when we opened up. Marriage isn't like the place you end up. It's the place where you begin. You know, mm-hmm. it's the place where all of a sudden you are now taking charge of this precious relationship and you are creating what you want from this relationship. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the more we are passive and say these external forces are what's causing me to behave this way, or I didn't have to do this before, or I don't see why I should have to do this. Why should I say I'm sorry? Why should I bite my tongue? You know, the more we say that, the less um, agency we're giving ourselves and the less direction our marriage has. And as we know, there's a lot of entropy. You know, if, if there's, there's no energy building this thing, it's going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Just like with your children, just like standing with your children. If you just decide to sit back and see what happens, you're going to see what happens. You know, Mm, it's kind of being deliberate. It's being deliberate in kind of what you're, what you're doing. You talked about kind of different stages and stuff, and we talk. You know, the most familiar one that we that most people would think about is kind of like the honeymoon stage of a relationship, and then kind of pre kids, uh, post kids. Do you think there are distinct stages that relationships go through or marriages go through? And and are there different kind of emphases or things that come into play in different, in those different stages of it? Um, Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that um, I haven't written extensively about this, but you know, off the cuff, obviously there's the courting stage and what I would call the, and that's that we we can even just leave that as its own stage. There's that, there's that courting stage. And then there's like a honeymoon stage. And then there's a time where like you're establishing your life together, whether it's through kids or work, et cetera. And there's child raising. And then there's like the forties, right? The forties is, you know, you said you're 41, mm. right? Okay. So you're just hitting like, it's a, I don't want to call it a rough patch, but it's, it's a, um, it's an eye opening 
path, time, and in your early 40s, for you, both you and your wife, it's like an eye-opening time. Um, we can talk about that in a second. And then there's kind of like, I would say by the time you hit 50, you're like in an enlightenment stage. And that's where things usually get good, really good. Um, <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not saying people don't have it good now, but if they have it good now, then when they hit their fifties, it should be God willing, even better, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know, I know it's funny actually you say that because I've had a number of guests on speaking about the, what one of my guests, Andrew Marshall, uh, calls the middle passage of life, which is kind of what I'm going through right now, I guess. And, um, but there's also, I, I know that there's a number of other different people that I've spoken to who touch upon there's, it's very much make or break when you hit this stage, like forties and, uh, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let you explain why that's the case, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'll do my best. And this is just my opinion, you know. Yeah, everybody, yeah. You're speaking to a lot of people, and everyone's got their own take. But this is what I say, and I and I get you know I can get pretty deep if if we want to go there. But basically, what happens is that by the time you're when you start hitting your forties, um, something interesting happens, and that is that. Uh, the combination of circumstance, maturity, wisdom, and experience kind of all joins together. And there becomes a crumbling of the fantasy of what your life and your marriage was supposed to be like. Okay. So you wake up when you're 40, 42, 44, 41, and you say to yourself, wow, this isn't not only isn't this exactly what I thought it was going to be, but most likely it's not going to ever be that which I thought it was going to be. There's a breaking down, a tearing down of this youthful, exuberant fantasy that we always held in our minds since the day we got married, but we were so busy raising kids and getting that job. And we're thinking, okay, at some point it's going to be this way. At some point it's going to, we're going to have this type of love at some point you know, sex is going to be this and kids are going to be that and finances are going to be that. When you hit 40, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> For everyone that's 30 or 35 listening to this, they're going to be like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> He's like, wait a second. Okay, this isn't exactly what it's meant to be. or what, This isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And then the, even the colder bucket of water is poured on you, which is that it's probably not going to happen. Hmm. And from that, births a beautiful thing, which is that you begin to realize how uh, amazing what you actually have is. And you shed these immature fantasies of what love is about, of what being a father is about, of what having meaning in your life is about. And you shed these fantasies that have been shackling you and they may have provided excitement, but they were never real. Mm. And you begin to learn, and it's not an easy process, but you begin to learn to embrace the incredible blessings that you already have in your life. And you start looking at things from a very different lens. You start looking at your wife and you start seeing her for the first time. She no longer is the fantasy you had when you were 20, 25, even even 30 or 30. She's not that fantasy. She is a real person with real dreams and desires and personality and wants and needs and limitations. 
and pain and emotions and you shift from what I could have wanted from her to how blessed I am to give to her mm-hmm. and to have this person be my responsibility for this many years. And it's just like a, a, a wave of gratitude and acceptance, you know, grows from that breakdown. And, um, and you become like a new, it's like, a, it's like a caterpillar coming out as a butterfly and, and, and you happily, hopefully it's like a, it's a make or break. Some men resist this. Mm. Some men say, well, you know, uh, I'm looking for a 22 year old again. Cause I'm, I, I, I refuse to accept this, you know, this limitation, obviously Twitter is full of the, you know, heaven, heavenly red pilled community and things like that. And, a lot of those are, are men and, and God bless them. I have nothing against any of them. I, I can empathize completely with the struggles that they're going through. And I, I oftentimes, many of my clients are, are men who are involved in the red pill community and that's fine. But um, so that's like the forties, the forties are like the, the new growth, hopefully of what I would consider a more authentic, grateful life as a husband, as a father, as a person. And then you hit your fifties and you're just like, okay, well, I don't really care about anybody else anymore. <laughs> is, is that, is that when you get into firmly into grumpy old man territory when you hit fifties? Fifties <laughs> are a good time. Fifties are a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it, so in terms of the guys that are kind of, you know, we, you've explained how guys, their, their energy can kind of shift back towards almost uh, gratitude for where they are for the guys that kind of like don't know what these kind of feelings are and what they're you know what they're going through i know that sometimes it can end up with self-medication or trying to get their needs met outside of the relationship and kind of the wheels falling off the off the uh, car a little bit uh do you find that to be the case with with some of the people you work with I, I find it the case with everybody. I mean, who doesn't self-medicate? I mean, uh, you know, we all have ways of coping with our um, our humanity, you know, and um, oftentimes that's, it can be anything. It could be anything from a little bit to drink, to smoke. It could be pornography. It could be, you know, uh, drugs. It could be uh, uh, politics, an obsession with politics and YouTube, it could be a fanaticism about certain hobbies that you have. I mean, we're all, and life is a balancing act, you know, it's like, we're always going to have some people smoke cigarettes, you know, none of, I haven't met a fully actualized person that just really is totally a hundred percent present. And if I did meet that person, I'd be very, very happy for them and say, wow, I'd love to learn from you. But even if you do find people like that, it's not going to work for everybody, you know? Mm. So yeah, you know, we do have to deal with our negative coping mechanisms. We do have to normalize some of them and we do have to learn how to transform that negative energy into positivity, you know, as best as we can. And it's like, that's a lifelong journey in of itself. Mm. And in terms of, we obviously delved into the different kind of things that you see come into play in the 
the kind of impact relationship in the early days and some of the stuff that that can cause kind of a lot of uh, toxicity in relationships and difficulties in relationships. What do you think are the kind of the most nourishing things that we can do as both men and women to help if we're using this plant and flower analogy to really grow and and nourish our relationships in the, in as best a way as we can yeah yeah great question so um i have some guides on my website that help with this but uh the number one what i work with primarily with my clients the number one message i give whether it's a man or a woman is there's, there's nowhere to go in our relationship until there's a foundation of loving kindness between me and my spouse. That is the bedrock of goodwill and loving kindness is the bedrock of your relationship. Um, if you don't feel good about her and she doesn't feel good about you, if you're not complimenting her and not giving her you know, praise and honor, and she, and she is disrespecting you and putting you down or, you know, treating you um, inappropriately, it's going to be really hard to build anything on top of that. I have to want to be with you to want to be with you, <laughs> you know? And so often we find people who are married that don't want to be with each other or they behave at least on the inside, they want to be with each other, but on the outside, they behave as if they don't. They're constantly bickering, fighting, insulting, criticizing, you know, they're never complimenting, you know? So the first thing I do is the first assignment I give any of my clients for the most part is focusing on gratitudes, appreciations, acts of loving kindness, and, um, and respect. And you would be amazed at the differences, not just in the other person, not just in the recipients of all this beautiful, loving attention, but in the person themselves. Mm-hmm. Because most of our problem is that we don't even notice all the amazing things that our partner is already doing for us as is. And that's like the hardest part of this whole process. When I first start with a client, I say, okay, tell me, let's say I have a woman on the phone who's like really upset at her husband. So I listen for 45 minutes and I say, okay, great. List for me five great things your husband did for you today. (laughs) There's nothing there. So I said, did he go to work? She says, yes. Oh, so he's supporting your family. Oh, yes. Yes. Did he say good morning to you? Did he give you a kiss before he left? Yes, he did. Oh, so he cares about your feeling and he's connecting. Did he say hello to the children? Oh, so he wants to be a good dad. You know, if once you learn how to see, there's a thousand things a day your spouse is doing for you and for your relationship that you can be so thankful for. So that's the first step is to, is to see the good that your partner's already bringing into your life and to let them know. Then the next thing that we can do is um, learn how to eliminate negativity. So not just increase in compliments and kindness, authentic compliments, I call them gratitudes, but how to eliminate negativity primarily in your own behavior. No criticism, no fighting, 
no constructive criticism. <laughs> no telling the other person what to do. No swearing, no negative words. We want to eliminate all that. We want to make this like vacation all the time, like a good vacation, right? And then we can get into deeper things like how do you express yourself to get your needs met? How do you set up boundaries so that you don't feel taken advantage of and that you have the freedoms that you're referring to, right? How do I treat my wife respectfully and expect and demand, so to speak, respect in return, right? These are all things that we can be, these are like, these are, these are deeper things. But the first thing is you asked for the first thing. So I'm just telling you the first thing is, is loving kindness and appreciation and eliminating negativity. Those two things will, if you could do that, you're already way ahead of the game. And how quickly with some of the couples you uh, coach and help, how quickly does that have like a, an impact? And what is the kind of feedback you get when, when all of a sudden they start to do these very sort of uh, elementary tasks, if you like? Yeah. It's immediate. It's totally immediate. And if, if anybody follows me on Twitter at David Feldman, I oftentimes will post an appreciation that one of my clients or somebody who follows me on Twitter has sent to their wife or their husband. And that's like part of my homework is that I have them send and I have a whole guide that you can download from my website on how to create a great appreciation. And um, you, it's a format, right? An appreciation is, is, is noticing, stating, and then connecting to a feeling. And when they do this, it's amazing what the response is because it's usually in a text message and you can see what the spouse, how the spouse responds. And then I get permission and I'll take that whole thing anonymously, no one knows who it is, and I'll put it on Twitter. Mm. And it's, it's incredible. Uh, you can change somebody's whole day. When you show your partner how much you care in a heartfelt, sincere way, you've changed their whole day. That means when they come home from work or when they greet you at the door, they're a different person. The whole energy in the home has changed. Mm. And, and things start changing rapidly inside the home. Not yeah. always. Sometimes yeah. there's all going be deeper issues, but... Yeah, and this comes back to kind of that whole concept of relationship momentum, isn't it? That once you kind of get that, that flywheel effect going and that, that snowball effect, it begins to take on its own momentum and, and, and energy. Because I've heard loving kindness as a meditation. It's often using mindfulness and Buddhism, isn't it? The, uh, the concept of loving kindness and you can actually get, you can actually download, I think, loving kindness meditations, which are, which are just what you describe, you know, how you want to be towards someone else and what you appreciate in them and, and all these different kind of facets that you touched upon. So that's quite interesting that that's, that, that has such a powerful impact with the work that you're doing. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there's always in every relationship, there are deeper issues, but those take time to get to, and we can, you know, we, we always look at them as well. But the first foundation is setting the atmosphere and tone inside the home. Mm. Mm. And how, and do you find that the kind of those strong relationships of kind of blame, the relationships, the strong emotions of kind of, blame and guilt and kind of resentment and stuff do you do you find that once this kind of work begins that again some some of these strong emotions begin to uh get pulled along in this whole process as well 
there's always underlying and any couple that's been married for more than I would say two weeks. (laughs) 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 There's always a bunch of resentments and um, negative feelings from historical traumas that they've had. And that's just part of being married. Mm. You know, there's, you're never going to clear out the sea of (laughs) mistakes, especially if you're a man, you're never going to clear out the sea of mistakes that you've made. And, uh, and, um, but one thing that I like to do um, is in working with men and women is, and usually almost in every case, it's the woman who holds on to the resentment and, you know, just can't let it go, you know, and sometimes those resentments, some of them she can just have, and she just chalks it up to, well, this is just part of being married, you know? Um, but some of them are what I would call stumbling blocks, which inhibit the relationship from moving forward. Mm. You know, if she's holding on to something that you said five years ago or worse, something that you did five years ago, and she won't let it go because she just can't, you know, she just can't, she mm. just, can't and as men it's hard for us to understand that but women understand that perfectly so there's techniques that i use to help couples you know move through those difficult resentments and one of the exercises that i do for women is mainly for women is i have them write down um like five to ten issues that really bother them and that are on their hearts even when they're not talking about it with their husband you know and then I, the different types of therapy, because I do not have the two partners sitting in the same room. I'd never do that, except for in very rare circumstances when she's made her list. I've shared the list with the man. And I've spoken to the man about how he feels about each one of these things. And then if there's agreement in my mind that it's okay for her to share it, and it's, he's safe hearing it and is willing to take responsibility, I bring them together in a joint session where she can actually express how she feels about what happened and why it hurt her feelings and how devastated she is about it. And he's able to say, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. I'm sorry. And it won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a very powerful moment because um, it's like you can almost feel like five years of resentment kind of just like dissipate, mm. you know, and it's, it's a great, it's a great experience and I can't do it with every topic and doesn't always, you know, work out, but it's a, it's a safe way instead of them just arguing with each other about it or just feeling like he'll never understand me or we can never get past this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because one of the themes that I see come up a lot with with, with men, particular, particularly, and we touched upon this with the kind of taking take, taking the hands off the wheel of the ship analogy uh, early on in the conversation is that something has happened early on in the relationship, and and the husband has said, you know, I'm sorry for this, and you know, I'll make it up to you. And they end up becoming the kind of perpetual apologizer or the perpetual kind of make it writer, which which kind of creates a bit of an imbalance in the relationship where they're constantly having to kind of apologize for stuff that's happened before, and their wife cool. won't ever let them hear the end of it. And it just be it's like well, and the husband's like, well, 
you know, nothing I can do is ever going to put this straight. And, uh, and it really kind of makes relationship very, very unbalanced because the wife then has this hold over him or it could be, it could be vice versa because it could be the other way around. But typically I see it a lot where, where guys have, you know, something's happened, you know, they've apologized for it. They've made amends. What the wife has said, okay, I'm happy to carry on and give this a go but there's bells and whistles attached to that. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and with what I do, one of the, one of the criteria is, or one of the rules is that once he's accepted responsibility, he's responsible for the change, but there's no more bringing it up. Like it's over. Like, and if she can't, if she's not willing to let it go, then that's not, that's not going to, I'm not going to participate in that conversation because I'm not, perpetually beating up the guy to live his whole life as some sort of sorry factory where the only thing he can do is say he's sorry his whole life yeah 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 totally. i get that i get that but i do it's that's one of those things i see i do see come up amazingly frequently <laughs> put it that way so uh david it's been a wicked conversation this oh, evening cool. and we've covered so much stuff that you know that we've gone through and i think it's really like I say, I've really digged a lot of the stuff that you put on Twitter because it's just so clear, quite concise. It cuts through a lot of the fluff, but also I think there's a very kind of under, also very kind of understanding uh, and sympathetic and kind of human level in which in in which you put stuff across, uh, yeah. which I think only comes from a man that's been married for a number of years <laughs> and is also a grandparent now as well. So I do. <laughs> I do thank you for for, for, sure. for for what you do. Yeah, it's a real pleasure sharing with you and uh, looking forward maybe at some point. We have, I know you're so busy now, but maybe at some point in the future we can talk about other things. We can talk about like communication or we can talk about, you know, uh, sex. That's always a fun topic, right? There's yeah. always a lot of things that we can talk about next time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm going to ask you a question that I don't prime any of my guests for before I send you on your way this evening. And that question is, David, what is it in life that gives you meaning? <sighs> um, I mean, I found meaning with helping other people in their relationships. That's how, that's what I've done with my life. And that's what I really, really appreciate. And I love connecting two souls together that are, um, you know, there's a, there's a saying that really a husband and wife are the same soul, but they're two different bodies. And our journey is to, the souls are already connected. We're already one in terms of our souls, but it's the bodies that have a hard time coming together. And uh, when I'm able to help other people kind of take that step closer towards each other and find peace and love, which is what we really have for each other inside, that gives me so much pleasure. I love it. I love it. And it does show in in the way you come across and the and the work that you're doing, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Awesome. If if people want to find out a, a bit more about you, uh, what you're doing, what you've got coming up, link up with you on social media, what is the best way for them to do so? Sure, sure. So my two biggest presences are either on Twitter and my handle is at David, D-O-V-I-D Feldman. Um, so just at David Feldman. I'm all over there. It's no problem. You'll find me quickly. Um, the second way is to visit my website. I have many great articles, blog posts. I know I have lots of podcasts. I've been guest podcasts on several. I'll add this to my collection so people can see. 
there's a lot of great conversations that have been had there and it's just davidfeldman.com. So it's pretty easy. Same first name, last name. Excellent. Excellent. And on that note, thank you very much for speaking with me this evening. I wish you all the best and, and thank you very much for all the work you're doing. I'm sure that you're going to continue to impact a massive amount of men and women and also families because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. God bless you. Take care. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks a lot, David. I'm really pleased David Feldman joined me today and shared some of his wisdom when it comes to making your marriage great again. You can check him out over at davidfeldman.com which is where you'll find the free guide we discuss called Amazing Appreciations. I'll link all this up in the show notes along with how you can get in touch with David and all the other stuff we discussed over at guildofdads.com. He's really active on Twitter, so the best way to reach out to him is on that particular platform. What goes on behind closed doors is often a very taboo subject, but it's all too easy for relationships to to descend into bickering, criticising and fighting very quickly. We covered a ton of ground in today's conversation, which gives great insight into how ill-prepared we are, the reasons for this, and how we can overcome them. And as David says, how to bring back goodwill and loving kindness starting today. Expectations are important insofar as they relate to all aspects of marriage, but I found it interesting finding out about different stages of marriage and how this will change the dynamic And even more interesting, the change that goes on in us as guys in our 40s. This alone explains a lot of the problems I see amongst men and dads on a daily basis. There's also a video of this interview over on the Guild of Dads YouTube channel and you can link up with me over on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook using the handle at Guild of Dads. There is a Dads Facebook group you can join, but also shoot me a message or a comment and say hi as I love to hear from you guys. I'm teaching you how to follow a simple system and plan just like many of my guests in order to transform all areas of your life so that you can live more purposefully with much greater fulfillment and meaning. It's all in my ebook, The Van Blueprint, which stands for Vision, Action and Meaning. You can grab it free at guildofdads.com forward slash VAM, V-A-M, and remember the meaning equation and apply it to all areas of your life as vision plus action equals meaning. In order to have a positive impact on the world, we improve ourselves and inspire others. The fee for this show is that you share it with others so that they may benefit from anything you find useful or interesting. If you know someone that could do with improving their relationships, could do with a life rethink or different perspective, share this episode with them. The best bit, you don't even have to tell them why you're sharing it with them, but it could be just what they need to hear today. Hopefully, you'll find something insightful in every episode, so share with Dad you know. In the meantime, live a life of vision, action and meaning. Apply what you hear and we'll see you next time.